Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke over the last five months, and we're just progressing right along. We're coming to the end of chapter 7, and as we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, we've been seeing so many different things about Jesus and how Jesus interacts with people, and especially as we've gotten into chapter 7, we've seen how people are reacting to Jesus. And Luke, especially in this chapter, wants us to understand that There are two different responses to who Jesus is, two different responses to what he's doing, two different responses to who he's reaching out to. There are those who who grasp who he is, who, who embrace who he is, who are broken because of who he is, and then there are those who are hardened, who really don't like who he is, they don't really like what he stands for, because they have their minds already made up about the way things should be. Their minds are closed. And really today, Luke, especially as we look at verse 36 through 50, is going to talk about two debtors, two people who owe, and how they respond to the issue of forgiveness. And we're going to see the the difference in their reactions today. So let's look at this passage together. We're going to start in verse 36 and go all the way through the end of the chapter. So read with me. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and to wipe them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Then when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who this is and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and another owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, 
the same loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We take this passage and basically divide it up into three sections. First of all, we see the woman. Then we'll look at the Pharisee. And then we're going to see the response of Jesus, Jesus' response. So let's, let's look at this woman, first of all. First of all, let me help you to understand what's going on here. Just so you understand the nature of Jesus, Jesus is not exclusive. Yes, he's had some confrontation with the Pharisees. Yes, they don't like him. But here in this community, we're not sure what community it is, Jesus is invited over to this Pharisee's home for a meal. And so we've already seen he eats with tax collectors, he eats with others, so Jesus goes and eats at this Pharisee's home. Now, let me explain to you, it is not like here. So like if I invited you over to my house, okay, let's go get a burger, guys, we're going to fire up the grill, come on over. You probably would come over to my house and that would be it. You, me, and my family, and your family, and that's it. We'd have a good time together. Nobody else would even know what's going on. That is not the way it was in that culture. In that culture, because Jesus is such a public figure, they would leave the door open so that while those who sat around the table were eating, others could come in and listen to the conversation that's going on. The way I liken it, too, is is everybody, like when the president has some important dignitary over for a meal, a lot of times you'll see a press conference Basically, there they are eating, and people are asking them questions while they're eating their meal. How many of you have seen that on the news? That's the kind of thing we're talking about here, except it's not a press conference. It's open to anybody in the community. Now, just to help you to understand, their tables are not like our tables, where, you know, you have it this high, and you pull a chair up, and you sit down, and you eat. Their tables in that ancient Asian culture would be low... And what you would do is you would lean up, you would kind of lay down by the table on your arm, and there would be a whole bunch of you, and your feet would be behind you. That's the setting I want you to see. So the door's open for anyone to come in. And Luke tells us that there's a woman in the community that hears that Jesus is there. So she comes in. Now this woman, we know from the passage, doesn't have a good reputation. In fact, some assume that she's a prostitute. She may very well be a prostitute. Some assume that she's simply just a woman of ill repute, sort of like the Samaritan woman, which she's had many men in her life. Whatever, she has a reputation. So first of all, it takes great boldness for her to show up to be there. Do you understand? Because the Pharisees, they're the religious people. They're the people who got their act together. They're the middle class of the community. And so she shows up to this scene, and I want you to notice some things about her. First thing I want you to see is this. She was moved by Jesus' forgiveness. She was moved by Jesus' forgiveness. A lot of scholars believe that because of her actions that day, she may have had contact or may have heard Jesus during the day at some point. And it's very possible that in her contact with Jesus, which is not listed here in the passage, that she very much may have been forgiven or sensed the forgiveness of God. So out of her great gratitude, out of her heart, because of what has been forgiven in her life, she is moved to come to that meal 
with an alabaster flask. It's kind of, in that culture, they would, out of alabaster, carve a flask to put fragrant oil in it. It would cost a lot of money. And a lot of ladies of that time would wear their flask around their neck. And how you opened it is, is you broke the neck of the bottle and then poured the ointment out. So it was only used one time and it would only be used for special occasions. So this is probably something that she very much cherishes. So she shows up there and out of her gratitude, she wants to anoint Jesus with this fragrant oil. She wants to offer him something. But here's what happens. She is so moved by Jesus and her forgiveness, she begins to weep. She's aware of the stuff in her life. In fact, Jesus comments later that her sins are what? Many. Many. So she begins to weep, and so as she's weeping, his feet are becoming wet. So what does she do? She then takes her hair and wipes his feet with her hair. Then she begins to kiss his feet, and then she anoints him with that fragrant oil. My friends, she was moved by the forgiveness of Jesus. She understood where she was at. She understood the stuff in her life, and she understood the forgiveness of Jesus, and it moved her. It moved her. She grasped the reality of it. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is that she willingly sacrificed for Jesus. Folks, you know, it isn't just the oil that she's sacrificing here. That in itself would be enough. You know, we know later on that there was another lady by the name of Mary who sacrificed oil, and it was a lot of money that was in that bottle. We're not talking cheap stuff here. We're not talking old spice or something like that. We're talking some fragrant oil that costs a lot of money. And it would cost months and months, if not a year's worth of wages for this. And so she shows up and she gladly sacrifices that for Jesus because she's moved by him for her forgiveness. Let me tell you what else she's sacrificing. What little bit of her reputation she may have had. Do you understand the boldness? First of all, women in that culture were suppressed. They were not, they weren't even possibly to be seen or even let alone heard from. So here she shows up at this meal, which I'm going to be honest with you, around the table sitting with Jesus would be nothing but men. And they're the, quote, upstanding citizens of the community, upstanding citizens of the synagogue. These are church folk. And she shows up with all of her baggage, her reputation, and she's weeping. She's wiping his feet with her hair. She's kissing his feet. I mean, she's sacrificing here. And you know what? It's almost as when you read the passage, she doesn't care. Because her total focus is who, folks? Jesus. Jesus. She was completely focused on his forgiveness and willing to sacrifice for him. So here's what she did, man. She humbled herself before Jesus. She humbled herself before Jesus. You know, how do you feel about... If I told you you had to go and kiss somebody's feet, what would you think about that? Like that. Raise your hand. Nobody. You're right, because we're looking like, ugh, gross. Who would do that? You know what? Your reaction, same reaction in that day. That was a menial thing. Even, can I be honest with you, when you would go to someone's home and visit them, you know, you wore sandals and it's dusty, the task of washing someone's feet was reserved for the lowest of slaves. So when she's coming in, she's not just sacrificing, she's humbling herself before Jesus. Do you realize what she's doing here, folks? She's humbling herself by washing his dirty feet with her tears and her hair, 
and then kissing them. That's what we see about this woman. That's what this woman is. Yes, she's got a reputation, but she's grasping something about who he is. And it's moving her to do things that really are extraordinary. Now, in the midst of this is the guy who invited Jesus over for the party. So I want you to notice his reaction. This is where our focus is going to be. This is the next section, verse 39. Look at what he says. I mean, this says it all. Verse 39 says it all. Look at what he says. Luke records the reaction of this Pharisee. Look at what he says, verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Two things we can see about this guy from here. First thing I want you to see is this. He had an attitude of moral superiority. He had an attitude of moral superiority. Two things come out of this passage that I want you to see. He is placing himself in a place where he thinks he is morally superior to two people here. First of all, he's morally superior to Jesus because he's questioning whether or not Jesus is truly a prophet. Like, okay, come on now. If you're truly who you say you are, which I don't think you are because, man, you'd realize who this woman is and, boy, you sure wouldn't be letting her touch you. So he's placing himself in this attitude of moral superiority that he is better than Jesus. And second of all, he already knows that he is better than who? This woman. Because he views her as something less than, not even worthy, why is this woman in my house type attitude. This is the attitude that goes on here. On one hand, you've got this woman who knows she's a mess. You know, she knows that she's got stuff that's from her past. She knows she's got a reputation. But then she comes in contact with Jesus and sends his forgiveness. And she responds with what? Humility and sacrifice. Then you've got this guy here who, he's got this attitude like, man, I'm, in, I'm better than Jesus. He thought if he was a prophet, well, he wouldn't even let this woman get near him. See how deadly that is? You know what? Can I be honest with you folks? Let's just be honest. For years, our churches have been permeated with this attitude, have they not? You know what? Here, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll, I'll make this confession time. I've had his attitude. I've had his attitude. Where I've come in contact with other people and their sins, and I look and I say, you know what? I thank God I'm not like... Or you know what? I haven't done what they have done. What is that? What, what is it, folks? It's an attitude of what? Moral superiority. Where I'm not looking at the junk that I'm doing. I'm looking at the junk that they've done. And I've compared the two and I'm thinking, huh, I'm okay. In fact, we even get to the attitude where, listen to me, where we even begin to say, okay, God, wait a minute now. Oh, what are you doing? Working in their life. They don't deserve it. See what happens when you have that attitude of moral superiority? You place yourself in a position of being a what, folks? A judge. Here's what else we see about this guy. He was more concerned about religious protocol. He was more concerned about religious protocol. Let me explain something to you. When you look at the question, if this, he says about Jesus, if he were a prophet, he would, if he knew what manner of woman this is, 
He wouldn't let her, he wouldn't let her touch him. Because here's what's going on. Because of her lifestyle, because of the things that she was engaged in, if she came in contact with anyone, they would be called, rendered, what? Ceremonially unclean. She's a sinner. You don't come in contact with sinner. Because if you come in contact with sinner, you're going to get cooties. Isn't that the attitude? You might get something from them. That's what's going on here. If he knew what manner of woman this was, he would not let her touch him. What is he worried about? He's more worried. He's not worried about the woman and what's going on in her life. He's worried about what? Religious practices. I can almost guarantee it's not recorded there. I I can almost guarantee you this is his thinking because I know I've been there. The thinking is, (laughs) I hope she doesn't contaminate my room. Hope she. Hope she gets out here quick. We'll, we'll fumigate the rooms after she leaves. You know what I'm talking about, folks. You know what I'm talking about. We have those attitudes. We have those attitudes about people and where they're at, especially if they don't come from the class that we belong to. You understand what I mean by that? Especially if they're from a different social economic status. And let's be honest, this woman would be from a different social economic status than this guy. I mean, this guy has wealth. Why? Because he can throw a party and invite Jesus over and let the town come and hear what's going on. This is where the Pharisee is at. He's got an attitude of moral superiority, and he's more worried about his religious practices, that they're not contaminated, than he is about anything else. Period. That's where he's at. Now, here's the interesting thing. The passage tells us something, because it tells us about Jesus... And this is amazing. And how would you like to have Jesus in your house? Because he reads minds. Aren't you glad we can't read minds? I know some of you think you can read your spouse's mind. You can't. Isn't that wonderful? But here's the thing. Jesus can read minds. So Jesus perceived his thoughts. Jesus knew what was going on in the mind of this Pharisee. And so he, he calls his attention to the Pharisee. He says, Simon, I have something to say. And at this point, the Pharisee really is its like, okay, what do you got to say? Go ahead, speak. Because in his mind, he's, he's dismissed Jesus. So Jesus tells a story of two debtors. Tells a story of two debtors. One who has a debt of 500 denarii. So let me explain to you. A denarii is a day's wage. So one has a debt of 500 days worth of wages. Think about that. That's a year and a half's worth of wages. The guy owes that much. And the other guy has 50 days worth of debt. So that's like, you know, one, one and a half months right there. And the guy comes along who both debts are owed to and he forgives them both. And Jesus then poses the question, Which of the two debtors will love that man more? Which of the two debtors will love that man more? And Simon is asked that question. And so Simon reluctantly, you can almost see him kind of squirming there a little bit. Probably he's saying, well, of course, the one who's been forgiven more. And then Jesus responds in three ways here. Here's what he's saying. Number one, our actions reveal the depth of our love. Our actions reveal the depth of our love. Because here's what he says. Well, Simon, you see this woman over here? 
I came into your house, Simon, and you didn't even extend to me the customary, listen to me, the customary practices that were due. I came into your house and you offered me no water to wash my feet. But as soon as I came in here, this woman has wept and washed my feet from the moment I've been in here with her hair and her tears. Simon, you didn't even greet me with the customary kiss because in that culture you'd show up and then more than likely there would be an embrace and a kiss of welcoming that person into the home. And we don't do that in our culture. But in their culture they did. But he said, what, this woman has showed up and she is not to cease to kiss my feet from the moment she has entered into this room. Simon, you didn't even extend to me the customary anointing of oil. In that day, they would pour a little bit of oil on your head to anoint you. As, as, as Really, it was, a, it was a customary thing of greeting into a home. And he said, you didn't even extend that to me, Simon, but she has anointed my feet with costly, fragrant perfume. What's he saying here? Our actions reveal the depth of our love. Our actions reveal the depth of our love. Well, you know, that's, that's really not a hard concept to understand. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Because it's easy. Talk is cheap, is it not? It's, it's easy to say, I love you, but if your actions don't back up your words, what do the words mean? Nothing. You know, here's the sad thing. A lot of people walk around and they say what? I love Jesus! But their actions don't show it at all. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. That's reality. Our actions reveal the depth of our love. Here's one other thing I want you to see about what Jesus, what he's saying. Number one, here's, here's his response. He has the authority to forgive. Jesus has the authority to forgive. So after talking to Simon and, and pointing out the difference of their actions and that actions reveal the depth of where you are and the depth of your love, he turns to the woman and says to the woman, this woman, her sins are many. And he turns to her and he says, I say to you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He forgives her her sins. Folks, we got a problem. Here's our problem. We have memories like elephants. You say, what are you talking about, George? You ever done something wrong in your life? Everybody should be saying, yeah. Okay. Every one of us here has done something wrong, right? Have you ever done something wrong and you know that you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, but others won't let you forget what you've done wrong? How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's our problem, isn't it? We've got memories. And the problem in our churches is, is that we're not as gracious as Jesus. He forgives, we don't forget. And so we'll look at someone and say, we'll look at them based upon their past rather than based upon where they're at with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And the reality is that Christ forgives. He has the authority, because that's the question. When He forgives her, there's a big discussion happening around the table. You can almost hear Him busybodies just talking. Who's this guy think He is that He can forgive? I'll tell you who He thinks He is that He can forgive. He's the Son of God. He has the authority. See, and they knew that. The only one who could forgive was God. Jesus forgave. Jesus forgave. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Faith in Jesus brings salvation. Faith in His forgiveness. Faith in what He's done for you brings salvation. Because look at what He says to that woman in verse 50. He said to the woman, Your faith has what? Saved you. This other guy, he's, 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 he's 
basing everything on, I'm okay, I'm good, look at me, i got all this stuff, and I'm doing all the right stuff for you, God, and I show up in a synagogue, and, you know, and he's got all his act together. There's this woman, she hasn't got her act together. She maybe hasn't had her act together all her life. Jesus says to her, you're saved not because of your act. You're saved because of your faith in me. That saved you. Isn't that awesome? What can we take home from what we've read here today? What is it that we can apply to our lives? What is it that will stir us as we read this passage? Because, folks, we need to be stirred. We need to be gripped by what's going on here. And, and so, really, I've got two questions and a thought I want to give you as we close our time here this morning. And listen, as I ask you these questions, I don't want you to let them go whoosh, over your head and like, whoosh. that was a great question, George, but I don't really have time to think about it. No, I want you to digest it. I want you to digest this for a while. Here's what I want you to see. The first one is this. What does your love for Jesus reveal? What does it reveal about you? Are you, are you one of these folks who says, I love Jesus? But you're more like the Pharisee. You are morally superior to everyone else. You stand in judgment of all those who are sinners. Let me just remind you of something. Sinners are going to do what sinners do. They're going to sin. Why? They don't have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, your life changes. So let's, let's lay off the sinners for a while, folks. They need Jesus. What does your love for Jesus reveal? Are you like one of these? Are you, are you like the Pharisee? You're sitting there morally superior to everybody else, but you don't really see the problem in your own life? Or are you like her? You're willing to do whatever for Jesus. You're willing to, what? Humble yourself. Humiliate yourself for Him because of His grace, because you grasp the reality. Man, He forgave me. I don't deserve forgiveness. What does your love for Jesus reveal? Is it lip service? What does your love for Jesus reveal. And here's the other thing. So the question is, it kind of ties with that first one. Here's the second question. Are you a Pharisee? Are you a Pharisee? Think about it. What's the attitude? What's, this, what's going on with this dude? Here's what's going on with him. He thinks he's morally superior to everyone else. So are you sitting in judgment of others? Because, you know what? Your home was okay that you were raised in. You got a good job. You're educated. You didn't get into that kind of stuff. I mean, do we have that attitude of moral superiority? Or are you, are you more interested in your religious protocol? I'm here, I gave, I did my time, all for you, Jesus. Is that where we're at? Are you a Pharisee? You can only answer that. So here's what I want you to do. We need to be like the woman. And here's what we've got to do with this woman, what she did. We've got to grasp the reality of Jesus' forgiveness. We've got to grasp the reality of Jesus' forgiveness. So here, I've got an exercise I want you to do in your mind. I want you to think back over your life. I want you to think over your life right now, and I want you to think about the most terrible thing that you ever did. It haunts you. If you could, you would go back and change it, but you can't. Okay, it's there in your mind. You're like, thanks, George. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to grasp this reality. He forgives you. 
He forgives you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.